Hello everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Bull podcast. I'm your host Les Lawson and once again I'm joined by Tommy Keegan and Pete Warburton. Let's start today with recording this on the 25th of May which is the anniversary of Rome 77 and also Istanbul 2005. So for all Reds who are listening to this and all Reds who aren't, may the first and fifth be with you. So we'll move on to the to the disappointing, really, performance and results against Aston Villa. And I think I'll start with you, Pete, and think, well, what did you what did you think of the the performance and the you know the results in the end? Yeah, I, I thought it was pretty sloppy. I mean, the last few programmes we've done, we said how well we've started, and we look we look tired, to be honest, and. and Villa were winning a hell of a lot of second ball, you know, if we were clearing, you know, Canarsley and Van Dijk were getting the heads to, to clear things and it was always falling to a Villa player. <clears throat> and then I thought we got off with it when he missed the penalty. I didn't think it was a penalty when I looked at it from where I was sitting, but my son texted me and he said, no, nah, it was definitely a penalty. You know, we didn't get the ball. So I thought, well, I mean, we've had a let off there. We, you know, we'll go on a bit stronger and then they go and score the opener and it wasn't a surprise, to be honest. I just thought we looked. I just thought we looked really leggy and tired, you know. Um, <clears throat> the thing that annoyed me and annoyed everybody in 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 supporting Liverpool was the time wasting and that. <clears throat> and it, it's upsetting, really. I, I've I've got a mate in work who's a Villa fan. He goes to quite a few of the games, and I said, you, you don't have to resort to that. Got some really good players. That Douglas Louise is a good player. The lad who scored is a good player. I mean, even the goalkeeper who was the world's worst for doing it, you know, he, he's a World Cup winner. They've got some good players in, in the ranks, but they were resorting. And I didn't think Unai Emery was that sort of manager. And they'd be resorting to, you know, the, this time waste and that infuriated the crowd. And, and thank God we got an equaliser because if we'd have lost that game, you know, it'd have been an injustice, to be honest. And I think the worst one, I mean, I, we were talking in, at, at half time and we said, well, we had um, we had our friend Mr. Tini a couple of games ago, and we thought nothing could get any worse than him. And then we go and get we go and get um, the other guy from Manchester who did the, the other game, the Brentford game, Taylor. Taylor. And I thought, well, it can't get worse. And and this lad, this this guy was worse. And I don't know, maybe putting two and two together, but he was the one that Jurgen Klopp yelled at. <laughs> um, on the on the when he was fourth official, and maybe that was in the back of his mind. But some of the decisions he gave were, were rank poor. Not just not just against us, but also for Villa. He he made the game very disjointed and stuff at times. But I thought that the weirdest the weirdest one time wasting Villa did was when I think Trent put a cross in. Their centre half, I think it was, headed the ball away and went down, clutching his head, and the ref stopped the game. It was Ashley Young. Was it Ashley? Well, there you go. Yeah. So you're thinking, well, you know what? Why is the effort? And they wanted us to put the ball out, and it was just, it was just, um, it was just a, a sad end to the season at Anfield. I mean, it hasn't been a great season. We've had some highlights, but we've had some lowlights, and it was glad not to, you know, I was glad not to lose. And I was willing when the ten minutes come up at the end, I was willing to get a penalty so uh, so Millie could have slotted the penalty away because Bobby had just scored as well. But it was definitely a game that we deserved a draw from, if only for the antics of Villa, but 
as I say in that first half, they were they were just. I'm not saying they were running through us, but they were just. They just seemed to have far more energy than we did. Maybe the, the last few games have taken the toll on us, you know. Tom. Yeah, um, mainly I, I thought I thought going into the game, it felt like it felt like beforehand, wasn't it? We, we knew the four players were leaving. And we went in and a bit of build-up about, about Bobby going and all the things. And I think going into the game, I think I, I, it felt like, like, a, like a celebration as we went into the ground. You know what I mean? I thought the atmosphere by the supporters was fantastic going in. And, and I think we... It, I don't know whether that just got to us and we just didn't start off well. You've got to say, fair Fair play to, to Villa. Where some of the things what Peter said, I, I totally agree with. I thought, I thought they started really well. Depressed McGinn, Jacob Ramsey, and I thought uh, Douglas Louise, who was the standout player on the pitch for them. I thought they were brilliant, and they were getting amongst us. So they never really give Liverpool time to settle. I think, like, like Peter, I, I think. I thought it wasn't a penalty at first, but I've looked at it since then. It was just, it was he got nothing to the ball. He missed the ball, so it was a penalty. We got out of jail with 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 his miss, but um, it, it only turned out to be a short measure, wasn't it? Because I think the I think Louise three three pops at the ball he had before he plays it over to Ramsey, who put it away brilliantly. So overall, I think I think that. For me, was the disappointing thing. But I think at that that moment, you felt that Liverpool would wake up and come in, but he he, he didn't really he didn't really get going. And I think I think it, it more or less I, I I I think they started to break up the play. Then once they got the goal in front, as Peter said, the time wasted and what he done, and that's where I think the referee was poor. At, and we'll talk about the referee. I've got lots to say about the referee later on. But I, I think that's the reason why the game fell into that way. Because I think there was one incident where Martinez had holded the ball for about 24 seconds in the first half. He could have booked him at that moment and ended it. If he books him there and then after, I think it was about 23 minutes, 24 minutes, it stops, doesn't it? The game, he then, he gets control and then Martinez doesn't do it. But he, he continued. I thought I thought we were unlucky with the goal. I, 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 it, I think it was a goal, to be honest. But I, I thought that was it. And then I thought then Liverpool then started to feel aggrieved. And then it was a totally different game. Then we started pressing. We started to play with a little bit of commitments. And um, I think it, it was just the Bobby scored the, the, the goal. Pity it wasn't the winning goal. But overall, I think it's, as Peter said, I think it sums up our season, really. It's been very much one of them seasons that we're glad to get over, to be honest. I thought it. I agree with a lot of what both of you said there. But I actually thought maybe we were a little bit sidetracked with what was going on with the, with the four players who were leaving, especially Bobby. And as you said, it seemed like it was a celebration of their careers rather than we had your league game to win. And to be fair to Jürgen, he did say that in his press conference that, you know, let's not forget we've got a game of football to win here that we need to win. Ultimately, totally agree with what Pete said. The start was very, very sloppy. It was slow. The build-up was slow. 
players seem to be either over it or under it in the passes. Um, there didn't seem to be a lot of threat going forward because everything seemed to be out of sync, if you want to call it that. Um, and then, as I say, I thought it was a stone wall penalty by Canati from where I was sitting. No, no complaints when it happened, in it. And like, like Pete said, I thought we got away with it when Watkins missed the missed the penalty. And then, you know, they scored. Jacob Ramsey scored a goal very similar to what Curtis had scored, both against the goal against Tottenham and the one against Leicester, where he coming at the at the back post and stuck it in the far corner. Lovely finish, well worked by Villa, and they were they were good value for that that one goal lead at that point. They also produced one of the best free kick routines I've seen at Anfield, where they had a free kick and we were all lined up on the edge of the box. And Jacob Ramsey made the run from about just on the, the centre circle. And Louis Diaz seen him coming. But what he did was he put um, he put Louis in in two minds, and Louis didn't know what to do, which is quite right. If Louis drops in and goes with him, then he's playing everybody on side. So Louis stayed where he was on the line. They played the free kick perfectly. Jacob Ramsey got the ball, and Ali pulled off a brilliant save at his feet. But it was a fantastic free kick routine. The referee for me at that point was starting to spoil the game. He was he was stopping it. They were time wasting. They were taking the time with the with the free kicks. Players going down, and he wasn't booking them or doing anything about it. He was very fussy with his decisions. He looked totally out of his depth to be a referee in the Premier League for me. And then you know the second half, we come out, and we were better in the second half, but still not good. If 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 you see what I mean, you know we we thought we'd got. The equaliser when Goldie, Cody Gakpo scored, and for some bizarre reason, it was disallowed. Now, for for them to come out afterwards and say that he, you know, he hadn't deliberately played the ball. Of course, he deliberately played the ball. It didn't just hit him. He played the ball because he knew the ball was going across the goal, and his leg moves towards the ball. So he played deliberately at the ball. That then should have played Gakpo on side. Uh, from because Virgil, who played the ball, was in an offside position, and and then so that plays Virgil on the ball goes across. Cody puts it in the net, and then bizarrely, then nobody knows at Anfield what's going on. And for for some reason, for an offside, they send the referee over to the screen. And once he went over there, you just knew what was going to happen. And then luckily, you know, Bobby Bobby sort of makes a move, and most Salah who I thought tried, as he always does, but nothing was coming off, off for him. Had one of his more disappointing performances for Liverpool, but the one time he got a decent cross in, beat his man, and Bobby was there at the near post to put it in. And for me, you know, I, I thought over the 19 minutes with Villa's antics and the way they sort of sat and didn't really try to do anything in the second half, I thought we we probably just edged to deserve to win the game. Um, it wasn't to be, uh, and it was it was an emotional send off for the for the four players at the end, and something that Liverpool, as a club, did very well. 
with the with the presentations. And I have to say that the you know the the, the send off the you know the cop gave to Bobby and Millie especially was absolutely superb and second to none. So yeah, a disappointing results, a disappointing way to end, really. A disappointing season. Not so much at home, although we have we've had some good games at home, as Pete said, but the, the the standard hasn't been as it was over the previous years. And for me again, in that game at the weekend, um the 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 whole sort of midfield sort of functionality people in there um you know started to rear its ugly head again um because none of them sort of performed to the level we know of and you know it was no surprise that all three of them got got substituted in the end but yeah disappointing so tom you wanted to say something about the referee so the, yeah. the podcast is yours do you know what I, I thought i said after after the game i thought it was the most inept Performance I've ever seen. I thought I thought we couldn't slide any lower after after what we've seen this season with the referees. But my God, he took that to a new level. I thought he was totally incompetent. I just thought he was useless. The, the, as Peter pointed out before about about when someone headed the ball down, he constantly let players drop to the floor, knowing that they were failing. Do you know? Just, just overall, his decision—the decision not to send, not to send Mings off for what he done for the for the assaults on Gatko—was shocking. It was, it was uh, to see a footballer with, with with three gashes on his chest, and then to say it's not a dangerous tackle. You know, it it just makes a mockery of it, doesn't it? Really, it's. And then, as you said, I think that what, what Lee had said to me, he, Lee said to me at the, while the game was on, he said, that, that's the first time I've ever seen a referee go over to look at an offside. He said, you're either offside or you're, or you're onside. He said, why do you need to go? The VAR should make a decision. It's either offside or it's onside. And he, he bottled out, didn't he? VAR. See, this is, to me, Les, this is the problem with VAR, isn't it? VAR was brought in to make the game better. And it certainly isn't doing that because it's confusing everything. Because you get a decision, like the goal we talked about before, with, 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 with Gapko, and you, you eloquently put it before about how it was played on. He did he did try to clear the ball. He put his foot up. He, he tried to clear the ball. So Brooks made the mistake. Not only did he make not only did he make a mistake, but he allowed the goal the next day exactly the same at Crystal Palace. So there's there's no consistency at all, is there, in any of them? But to me. I think I think Brooks, uh, if he's one of the up and coming ones, it's quite it's quite terrifying for the Premier League, isn't it? Because the standard this year has been abysmal, absolutely abysmal, and that's not just me or or, or Liverpool fans saying it's that. Every club is saying the same thing. Yeah. You know, the standard is is awful. Hey, what have you got anything to add to what Tom just said there? Only, only with regards. To, well, whatever what Tommy said is, is is spot on. To be honest, but 
the, the Gakpo incident was pretty close to me because it was it was towards like the left wing down towards the Anfield Road where I sit. Gakpo didn't even put his head down to head the ball. He was upright. And I just, as soon as, as soon as he blew up, well, as soon as he went down injured, we all said there's a red. And then he went straight to his pocket. When he got the yellow card out, we're thinking, he's, he's got to go and review that, surely. And then when Gakpo had to change his shirt and he, because of the blood and that, and we just couldn't believe. We just couldn't believe it. And you don't necessarily want players to be getting sent off all the time for tackles, but I don't think there was any doubt in that at all. And then, like Tommy says, you've got VAR there that are supposed to judge mistakes on the pitch and sort of put the referees right. And they just backed them up to the hilt as well. And it was just, it was just, I just couldn't believe that decision, to be honest. But, you know, he made so many poor decisions throughout that game. And, I mean, I don't know who we've got coming up on Sunday. You'll have to see if, the, you know, it's it's like the Keystone Cops at times. You just don't know what you do with referees. But I, I was talking to someone in work, and I think it was before the days of VAR. Remember when Tottenham got the penalty at the cop end? Oh, yeah, with the John Moss. And, and John, John Moss. He went over to his liner, and, and you could hear him talking, and he said, and I think the thing they were trying to make out was, did Lovren play the ball um, purposely? And if he did... It was, it was, um, you know, it was a penalty, and the linesman couldn't verify that. The linesman said, "I couldn't tell you hundred percent if you played it on purpose or not." And John Moss said, "I'll just give a penalty anyway." He didn't <laughs> see it, did he? He said he didn't see it. Yeah. He said, "I never seen it myself, but yeah, I'll give it." Never saw it, but I'm giving a pen. Now you would have hoped if in the days of VAR, if that was about, that would have been overturned because I, I don't think Love from purposely played the ball. But, you know, there's so many... I think they've got to look at the rules and try and, try and make them to such as... I'm not saying simplify them, but don't overcomplicate them. They're overcomplicating everything. From the offside rule to, to, to like, what we saw against Villa, where they asked them to go and have a look at the offside. They've got to simplify these rules because a lot of us fans, just, especially in the ground, we don't know what's going on half the time. We really don't know what's going on. Can I ask you a question, Pete? Yeah, go ahead. Do, do you think VAR is better for the game as it stands today and to you as well, Les? Not, not as it is today, but I think it can make the game better, yeah. I, I always was an advocate of, you know, when we were talking about it a few seasons ago and it was mooted, it was going to come in. I was made up, to be honest. Because, you know, I mean, things like, you know, you know going back pre-VAR days, I mean, the goal that was disallowed at Man City when Sterling was a yard on side. Things like that, I'm thinking, well, VAR will eradicate all that. But it's the way that they're bringing these so-called decisions in and they're making it so complicated. I think they've got to look at the offside rule and start looking at I've said it for ages, just look at the feet of the defender and the feet of the attacker. Give the attacker the benefits of the doubt. If his torso is, is ahead of the defender, so be it. Just work off the feet, but they're working off armpits, they're working off shoulders. They're, you know, so frustrating when you see. I mean, we got two goals at uh, where was it we scored two the other day? Leicester. Very borderline. And they could have gone either way. You know, a linesman, if he didn't have the backup of VAR, could well have just put his flag up because they were so tight. 
So I think VAR can work, but it's got to be it's got to be looked at properly. To be honest, for me, Tom, it's not VAR. It's the it's the clowns who are using it because whatever whatever system you use in in whatever industry you're in, you've got to have competent people to use that system. And you know, if you've got you have you have a group of people in Stockley Park sitting there watching the game on a television and they come up with bizarre decisions. It, that's what's ruining VAR. It's not the system. It's the people who are using it. And until they get competent people using that system who are prepared to tell the referees that they've made a mistake, then it's never going to work properly. And the other thing that needs to be removed is the words subjective and clear and obvious because those two those two statements are just get out of jail free cards for the on-field official. They're opinions, aren't they, Les? Yeah, but you but but the thing is, it's an opinion. But a lot of them, but what I'm saying, Tom, is a lot of them a matter of fact. It yeah. shouldn't be, it shouldn't be an opinion whether whether that, that ball was played deliberately by Conzo when it got knocked back by Virgil van Dijk, as you can see it was. So that's not opinion. That's fact. Right. Mm. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be an opinion whether you see a soft penalty given in one game. So, for example, right, as you know, and we argued about this on the pod a few weeks ago, I didn't think that the penalty that we got the other week when Darwin Nunes was brought down, I think it was against Fulham, was penalty. You two, you two and John Green both both thought it was. I didn't think it was. And for me, that should have been overturned the same way as the penalty Oliver gave um, to Arsenal against Thiago in that particular game at, at the Emirates earlier in the season. That should have been overturned because that was that was not a penalty. Right. But then you get the, you get them coming out saying, well, it wasn't a clear and obvious error. Well, it is a clear and obvious error if something in the same in the same in a same instance in a different match is given the other way or not given. But then they use the term subjectivity. It's a subjective t- decision. Well, they can't have it every way. You know, it, it and that's what's so where and Pete 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 hit the nail on the head for me when he said that I thought when VAR come in. It would get rid of all these, but it's made it worse now because you've now you're now sort of thinking to yourself, well, you can understand in some in some ways a referee missing the decision on the field. But if it's a bad call, then you've got people there who are watching on the telly, and you've got millions of people watching that a particular game on the telly, no matter who it is. And then you'll go onto Twitter and people will say, how the hell have they given that penalty? But how the hell hasn't he been sent off? And the only two people who, who don't think it should be a sending off are the um, are the, the people in VAR and the match official. Yeah, everybody else is saying that should be a red card. And then you get then you get David Gallagher on Ref Watch on a Monday, sort of who's who's told the party line over the weekend and being told what to say, who comes out and defends the referees. That's no way to go. I mean, referees should face jeopardy for their actions. So should VAR, and they should be coming out and saying, "Right, 
you've made an error this week, was unacceptable. So next week, you're not on VAR. You're going to go back and do some training so you get the right decisions. Because until they, until they start doing that, this farce is just going to continue. And it's not got, it's not got any better since Howard Webb's come in as it was before under Riley. And I know Howard Webb's only been in a few months. So he's got to, you know, he, you've got to give him time to sort of, you know, put his own ideas in place and improve the standards. But initially, it's not got any better. And this, you know, I enjoyed the little bit we got shown on Monday Night Football before the, the Leicester-Liverpool game. But it wasn't any controversial stuff that was on there. It was all the sort of hand-picked stuff to show them in a good light, etc., etc. I want to hear what I'd like to hear, for example, the conversation that went on between the the, the VAR official Anfield on on Sunday, on Saturday, Tony Harrington, and the on-field assistant Brooks to see what did they say to each other. That should be heard not just by the people on TV. That should be heard in front of the, in the ground as well at the same time. So we all know what's going on. It's consistently, Les, isn't it? It's consistency. We yeah. want consistency. Everybody wants the game to be better. But until you bring in consistency, it, it's not going to happen, is it? It's, and I think that's a great idea, a great what, what he's talking about, Webb. I, I, I'm not going to condemn him because we've had, we've had years of Riley where it's just, it's just been what's it called. He's not going to come in and make massive changes in four months. You know what I mean? So I'll judge him by what he says. What, what some of the things he's saying, one of the things he was saying is he's going to have Mike mic'd up so we can air that during the game. He's no, going to make... They're not going to air. It's not going to be done live. It's only going to be done afterwards. So, so not, done, not done the game no, like it is out in rugby. No, it's not going to be during the game. It's going to be, it's going to be done afterwards on like a separate show. Like with Ref Watch. There'll be a separate show, and like the controversial incidents will be shown, so the conversations can be heard. Because apparently, according to Howard Webb, what he said on the Monday Night Football the other week, he said it will it can't be done live because FIPRO won't allow it to be done live. So, so that that's not a decision that that you know that, that he is making basically. Um, but I I agree with you. It should be done live. So that everybody knows actually what's going on. You know I what think, I mean? I think the thing is, and I'm not sticking up for them in any way, shape or form, but I think you find it awfully difficult to mic up a referee and 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 sort of broadcast that live. Because you know you know what the language will be like from the players. They're not gonna call them sir like they do in rugby. You know, they're gonna be effing and jeffing. And you know what it's like now on Sky? You know, if there's a lone voice in the crowd, shout something. You apologise for the industrial language, as they call it. They're not going to do it live. It'd be good to it'd be good to hear the retrospective commentaries where they can bleep things out and say why the referees are given certain decisions. But I honestly can't see it very soon coming to the point where where they do in rugby where. You can hear the referee, and he gives this, this when he gives the decision in rugby, which I don't watch a lot of, in fairness, because I don't particularly like it. But when I have seen the odd game, and he's explaining to both sets of players why he's given a particular decision, 
and they abide by that and walk away. And you know what it's going to be like in football. They contest everything from, you know, from a throw into a penalty and everything else. So I think I think we're a long way off that, to be honest. But retrospectively, there's no reason why they can't do it. One thing, one thing I will say about the referee on on Saturday, and it's the only positive thing I will say about him, is that the amount of time he added on, especially in the second half, yeah. was very yeah. tough. But what what I did think, what let what, where he then let himself down is where he agree with Jurgen Klopp, is that within the within the ten minutes there was at least another couple of minutes to add on that he didn't do. You know what I mean? So, so at the end of the day, he went part way to doing what should have been done, but he didn't. He didn't go as extreme as I would have liked him to have done. And I know it's going to be a difficult situation at times where it's going to be your particular team that's going to be one goal ahead, and ten minutes extra time will go up. But you know, I I just think it needs to get to that. I've been in favour of that for ages because. You know, the, the the three, four minutes that, that went up in the majority of the games, it was just a pre-planting. You know, how many minutes should we add on? We'll just guess around about three, four minutes. And it would just be the same every week. So if it takes 10, 12 minutes to be added on to get this message across, we'll let them do it. And the other thing they need to start doing, then to start to bring it down, is to start booking players earlier, as you said before. Yeah. So, you know, when a goalkeeper is taking 26 seconds to take a goal kick, he goes to the goalkeeper, he talks to the VAR people and say, look, next time he takes a goal kick, just let me know how many seconds he's going to take. And then he goes to the goalkeeper and says, you just took 26 seconds for that restart happen. You're on your final warning now. You, you take no more than 15 in future, right? And then if the next one is 18 seconds, and the the, uh, the VAR comes in and says, right, that was eighteen seconds. He immediately books him, and then that will that will just stop it because it's it, it reminded me the time wasting and the referee reminded me at the worst I've ever seen, which was the Chelsea game in thirteen fourteen. Yeah, definitely, Les. When Mar- yeah. Martin Atkinson booked Ashley Cole for time wasting in the ninety first minute. Mm. And he was the only one who got to do the time wasting. I think that Martin, as I looked at the clock when he booked him, and it was 76. Yeah. I, I said to the lad next to me, that should have been after 26. And yeah. not only that, he booked him on the 76th minute, and he carried on doing it. He carried on mm. wasting time. He thought he was going to get sent off there, Peter, didn't he? When he went yeah. up, he, and he booked somebody else. Yeah. I know, really. Like, he he, he started to move end. quicker then. It was funny at the end when Millie went up to shake hands and I think he, he exchanged a few pleasantries with him. I think he thought he was just going to say well played and that, but I think Millie said something to him at the end. But, yeah. You know, it's like you've, we've all said, if, if the referee is stupid enough to let them get away with it, they'll carry on. And I'd, I haven't seen the seen the stats on it, but I'd love to know how, how long the ball was actually in play on Saturday. Yeah. It would have been less than 40 minutes actually in play. And, yeah. then, you know, at the end... At the end of the day, we're playing the best pass of 50 for the match to go and watch it. We're getting short change. I know. That's been my point all the time, is that the referees the referees aren't doing the job in a number of ways. And the fact is now, with the, with the implementation of VAR, right, VAR should be there to 
yeah, to, to look at all the close decisions, etc., etc., but also to monitor time wasting in, in, in various ways and to get that resolved and get, get booking people. Yeah, nobody likes to see people get sent off, but at the end of the day, if that's what it takes to get the game functioning properly and to get fans getting value for the money they've paid for the tickets, then so be it. You know what I mean? And it's uh, it's something that I hope over the over the course of next season we will see influenced by by referees. And at the bare minimum, I want to see the um, the the correct added time added on, whether that be eight minutes, ten minutes, twelve minutes, or whatever it be. At the end of each half, so be it. But that's what's got to be done. And eventually, the penny penny will drop with these teams to stop doing it. Right, so I know it's a difficult one, but just just one word. I'll go to you, Tom, first on this. Who was your man of the match on oh, Saturday? Do you know what? It's a weird one, Alex. It probably um, I would have given it to to Bobby for for the goal and for you know like just he he brought us back into the game really, didn't he? So I think it would have. Been, I think you were struggling to find a man of the match, to be honest. For the Liverpool side, so I would have given it to Bobby. Pete? Yeah, I can't disagree. The, the only other one I thought may have come in with a shout was Cody. So Cody had a decent game. In flashes, not not right for the full 90, but he showed some good flashes and he's got he's going to be a good player for Liverpool, Cody Gasparov, no doubt about it. Yeah, as I say, full house, I can't disagree with you. I thought Bobby made the difference when he come on. Um you know, the move, good movement, excellent finish for the goal. And as Pete said, it was a day where where I think the vast majority of the team would, you know, were, were below par. And, you know, I thought Cody Gakpo, I thought he did better when he went into the midfield position, to be fair, Pete. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think for the impact he made, sort of, Bobby would be my man of the match as well. So just before we have a have a little bit of a chat about the uh, who we might think might go down with with uh, Southampton as the as the relegation battle reaches its climax on Sunday. I just wondered, just a couple of minutes. You know, it's a it's a famous day in Liverpool's history today, twenty fifth of May, twenty fifth of May, nineteen seventy seven. Tom, a twenty one year old Tommy, right? What mm. were you? What were you doing and where did you watch the game against between Liverpool and Borussia Mönchengladbach in Rome? Um, I watched it in. I ended up watching it in the in the in the uh, Speak British Legion with with um, Speak British Legion with my father-in-law Michael Bell. And what was the atmosphere like in there? Tom? It was great, you know. It was watched on a small telly and it was it was brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah people, forget, people forget, don't be just to interject there a minute, Tom. People forget back then that even if you were going to a to a pub to watch the game, you were still be going to be watching it really on a, a similar size yeah. TV that you had at home. There was nothing like these mm. these massive big tellies that we've all got now or big screens or anything. Yeah, it's when it go back, doesn't it? And it's it's, do you know what you think back and you're looking back and you're saying, you know, where where do we go from, you know, like 
the the TV Peter said the other week, you've got football 24 hours a day now. In them days, it was like it was a rarity to get a match, wasn't it? You got the big games, but it was like it was watched on a telly, on a small telly, amongst you know, like like lots of people. Where we where was you, Pete? I was actually at home watching that one, Tom. I hadn't long I left school, I think it was at the end of the previous year. So it was only months into a new job. And we had a bit of a tyrant boss. He was a right ogre, he was. And the first thing I had to ask him, we'd already booked a family holiday in March. That was the first thing I had to ask him when he gave us his job. And he hooked and puffed over that. And I thought, Christ, I can't, I can't ask him for more time off. Because a couple of my mates I go to the game with, they went on the train. And that was a story in itself, the special from Lime Street to Rome. And they were telling me some stories on that. But I watched it at home with another mate who couldn't go. And um, we just had a couple of couple of beers watching it. And then my mum at the time was working evenings. She used to work evenings at Lever Brothers. And she phoned up and had all the girls in the in the, the canteen singing you never walk alone down the phone. It was brilliant. Like so yeah, I watched it at home and you know, I wish I, I know of a lad, my brother in law to go to the match with now, a, a mace of his was saving his time and he had exams at the end of his uh, college year and he said to Brian, me, me brother-in-law, he said, I'm just going to Rome. He said, sorry. He said, I don't care, I'm going to Rome and he didn't even do his exams at the end. He was doing engineering exams. But our Brian said, he said, I've seen him recently. He said, he's still walking around. He's got a, you know, he's got a good life and that. So part of me wishes I'd have just said, look, I'm going. But as I say, I was a, I was a little bit, a uh, little bit in awe of this, Man, you know this boss that we had, and I thought I can't ask him; he'll he'll, he'll go mad. So I, I just stayed at home and watched it, mate. Yeah, that I'm the same. I was I was still at school. I was fourteen. My mate Brian Johnson, who who now lives in Australia, he he was he was going on the on the train with his mum and dad and his brother Derek, rest in peace, mate. Um, who are no longer with us, and and as I say, they asked me to go with them. And unfortunately, it was like exam time at school, um, leading up to exams. So my mum's mum and dad said no, not to go. And I ended up watching it at home, just about recovering from the bitter disappointment of losing the FA Cup final on the Saturday. And you know, those immortal words from Barry Davis will stay with me forever. What a delightful stuff, delighted scorer. It's Tommy Smith. Yeah. You know, when he got the when he got the second one and and as I say, you know, to win to win all big ears for the first time, absolutely tremendous. And I was first in school the next day, and then which which was my birthday, and obviously, and then up at St George's all from early to see them coming back with the with the cup. What a what a great time to be a red that was. Well, it's always a great time to be a red, to be honest. So we'll move on to two thousand and five. Just that quick. Just on, on that Rome trip, my mate who went, his mum said, I've done you a few buses there to take with you because they didn't know if you were going to get thingy. So he said, I had this, like, you know, the, the goal bags, the sports bags you used to get to put your footy gear in. He had one of them, so he opened, he opened it up by crew. <laughs> you know, like you go on a school trip. And <laughs> you everywhere. You open your buses as soon as the coach leaves. It was like that, he said. So I opened my bag by crew. And he said the stink to come out. She'd done him like uh, tuna bussies. He said I was oh. gonna get. He said I was gonna get chucked off the train. He said I had to lash them out. I had to lash them out the window. He said it was either the bussies or me that was getting thrown off. 
I bet to be honest, please, you know, over the next sort of maybe couple of years or what have you, you know, we'll have to try and get somebody on who was on one of those those yeah. sort of trains from there for me. Yeah. To, well, there's been know, some players told about that. Like, yeah. But Pete, 2005, Istanbul, you know, me and you were sort of, I went with Jamie, you woman had about going, didn't you? And in the end, you didn't go, so... I had a I had a ticket because I'd gone to all the games all I'd gone to all the, the games and I was eligible for this ticket. But I came home from the Chelsea semi-final at about midnight after we'd had a couple of drinks and that. My wife said, I suppose you're going, are you to Istanbul? I said, Yeah, yeah, I'll have to start looking into it. She said, Don't forget, you know. She said, Oh Jack, that's my son. Oh Jack's going away at the end of May with the school. And they were the first school, he was in primary school still. And they were the first school. Um, where a trip had gone to Russia. They were actually going to St. Petersburg because one of the teachers had taught out in Russia for a while and he married a Russian girl, so they had this exchange thing. And I thought, what date is it? What date? And she said, he's got, to, he's got to leave on the 26th. And I thought, oh, my God. I said, the final, 25th. She said, just go. But he was he was only a kid, you know what I mean? And I thought, and I ummed and ah, and I got the ticket and everything. Anyway, in the end, in the end, I just decided, no, I'll stay with our Jack and, and you know, see him off because he had to be at the school at like two o'clock in the morning on the 26th. So I didn't go. And obviously, you know, we all know what happened. But a couple of things. I, I, when we went to the school for the bus to come, there was still people up celebrating, you know, cheer, singing. <laughs> and and uh, our Jack, it, it still gets me now. Our Jack was walking down and he, he come up to me outside the school and he said, you know what, Dad? I said, well, he said, thanks for not going. He said, I made up your stage to see me off. So I don't know if it felt better or worse after he said that. <laughs> but, yeah so, yeah, so I missed out on Istanbul, but I did say to Jean, I said to my wife, at half time, it was all over. We, we all thought it was gone. But I said to Jean before kick-off, I said, if we win this cup, I said, we've got to stay up late anyway. I said, I want to go over to Anfield and at least celebrate with, with some fans, you know. So that's what we did. We drove over to Anfield and we stayed there till about one o'clock in the morning and got him back to take him to the school for this coach. So, yeah, he, he's a little stunned at times, you know. He couldn't have gone. If he'd have gone on the 27th, I'd have taken the chance and flown straight back, you know what I mean? Because I saw you, didn't I? Yeah. We, when yeah, you got we, home? Yeah, we were on the next day for the homecoming. We were we were around yeah. together. So what about you? If you'd have gone a day later, I could have come with you and done it, you know. Yeah, that's it. Les, I never got a ticket. Yeah. The one day, one day unfortunate, we never got a ticket. But you know, I watched it, funny enough, with Susan's brother, who's no longer with us, who's, who's who, who died when he was forty-seven, Paul. And he came. We we bought a case of we bought a case of lager, and we um, we put the telly on and we watched it in the in the house. The two of us, and um, he was in a wheelchair, Paul. And um, at, at half time, at half time, I had to take him home. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "That's it." He said, "I'm going." So I had to take him back and come back to watch the second half on my own. And if he was phoning me. Every you know every every couple of minutes after after they all got back, but you know what? Incredible, incredible days. I've seen some great finals, seen lots and lots of finals, 
But the one that we missed out on in 2005, I was forever gutted. Yeah, yeah. well, as I say, I went, and as you both know, I don't like flying. Um, and and as I say, Jamie, that was Jamie's real first season in going regularly to watch Liverpool. So after we beat Chelsea, all he kept saying, Jamie was 10, uh, 11 then. And all he kept saying on the way home from the match, we are going to try and go to the final, aren't we? Because as soon as we come out of the ground, after the semi against Chelsea, there was people giving out flyers about booking trips. And and he, uh, he sort of said, oh, we are going, aren't we, Dad? And I'm on an hour and saying, well, we might not be able to get a ticket. Um, but if we get tickets, we are going to go, aren't we, Dad, anyway? When the next day when I comes home from work, my mum come down and said to me, You're gonna have to you're gonna have to do something with Jamie. He said, All he's going on about is going to this final in Istanbul. He said, and she said, if you don't take him, he might never forgive you. I said, But you know me, I hate flying. Anyway, my tickets come on sale on on Friday the 13th or Saturday the 14th. And I always remember this. And I thought to myself, I ain't going up to get tickets to a final when I've got to fly on the on Friday the 13th. So I thought to go up on the Saturday. So I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll let the queue decide whether I should go or not. And my mum had took Jamie to Blackpool for the day. Anyway, it gets up at about 11 o'clock, drives up to Anfield. The tickets are on sale till half 12. And I thought, if the queue's right by around the ground, they ain't going anyway. I got... I parked up and the queue was only by the Bill Shankly statue. I waited 10 minutes, got me tickets, come home, booked the trip, and then the, 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 it was worth it for just a look on Jamie's face when he came home from Blackpool and I showed him the match tickets and told him we booked. 500 quid day return, most expensive date trip ever, but one that was worth it. At half time, all I'm thinking is I've got to get on a plane to come home now. And, uh, and then I'm going to get my credit card bill in. But, um, but wow, what a second half and what an ending. And, you know, it's a day I will never, ever forget because Liverpool have played twice on my birthday, which is the 26th of May. Once in 1989 against Arsenal and we lost 2-0 and, and we lost the league. And the other one was a few years ago against Real Madrid when we lost 3-1. And the only consolation I can give is that because I was in Istanbul on the day of the final and the two hours ahead, by the time the penalty shootout had been completed, it was actually the 26th of May. So I can actually say to people, in a way, that we have actually won the European Cup on my birthday as well. But yeah, it was an unbelievable trip and the homecoming was even better. And, you know, to spend it you know, with Pete and Jean as well, you know, just made it even better. You know, four is, and I think I was still on a high for about six months after that. You know, what a trip. You know, remember it forever. And, you know, I, I'll, I'll be forever grateful for Jamie for, for badgering us to go. Um, because if he hadn't have done, I'd have been watching it at home or maybe even watching it with you, Pete. So, yeah. so yeah, so that's the that's our stories from the first and the fifth anyway. So, right, who shall I pick on first? Tommy. Go Come on. on, give us your give us Ooh. your two teams to go down with Southampton. I think I think me me heart me 
my heart, I, I'm going to say like what's it called? Leeds, Leeds, and uh, Leeds and Leicester will go down less. Pete, um, okay, Tom, carry on. Tom, no, but like, I think it depends what happens with Everton, but I can't for the life of me, I can't see, I can't see, I can't see Leeds and Leicester winning, and I, I can't see Everton losing. Just fair enough, Pete. Yeah. Well, it, it's quite interesting that all three that are in the mix are at home, so it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, Leicester might get a result against West Ham, if only for the fact that West Ham have got this final to look, look forward to. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a bit, I think Everton will get what they need. I mean, if they only get a draw, Everton, and I think is it Leicester, it's Leicester win, is it? Yeah. Um, it goes to goal difference, in which case Everson could drop up. <laughs> the way Leicester have been playing, especially, you know, they look, they look, they had nothing against us. I mean, I said in the last programme, I feared if we give Vardy too much grass to run into, he'd kill us. And, you know, he's, I think he's looking his age now, if that's not being unkind to him. Leeds and Tottenham, you don't know what you're going to get from Tottenham. They could come out and win 5 0, or they could lose 5 0. But the, the goal difference for Leeds, unless they, they get a hatful, um, their their goal difference is is worse than Everson. I just think Everson will get, get not even a draw. I think they'll win Everson. I think I'm not saying Bournemouth will lie down and have the bellies tickled, but I just think Everson will, will win on the day, to be honest. So it's gonna be Leicester than Leeds for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna book the trend a little bit. I think it's gonna be um Everson and Leeds will go. And I think Everton have got a few injury problems for the weekend. I think Calvert-Lewin looks like he's out. I think they've got problems of full-back. And I just think that because Everton have got to go out and win the game, I just think that Bournemouth could actually get something. And maybe even a draw and Leicester. I think Leicester will beat West Ham. That's the one result of the three that I'm sure about. I think Leicester will beat West Ham. Purely because, as Pete said, because I think West Ham's focus now will purely and simply be on that European final they're in, and they will, you know, they will not want to get any injured players in 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 a game against Leicester that means nothing to them. And I think a few of their players will be left out because the last thing David Moyes will want to do, I know he'll want to try and help his old club, but equally he won't want to sort of risk the likes of Declan Rice. And let Declan Rice pick up an injury that might put him out of the, you know, the, the, the European final. And if he did do that, the West Ham fans would never forgive him. So, yeah, I just think that it could come down to goal difference. And I just think that Everton might go. Um, but that's just just, just a hunch you've got. You know, whoever, whoever, these, whoever, whichever two teams go down with Southampton, they deserve to go down. And the one that stays up will deserve to stay up, whichever one that may be. But it's going to be a real interesting day. It's a strange, now, it's a strange one, there, Les, isn't it? When you look at the three teams, you know, like all the four teams you're fighting for it. They're like four big teams, aren't they? Southampton, who've been in the Premier League for a long, long time. You've, you've got, you know, like you've got Everton. Who've been who've been there, an established team, Leicester, who's finished fifth and eighth, eighth over the last couple of seasons, and you know Leeds is always a, always a big club, 
crazy, isn't it? You know, when you look yeah. at them. It is, Tommy. As I say, it's going to be, you know, for the, for the sort of, for the fans who aren't involved, you know, in, in the, on the last day, in terms of not involved in relegations, it's going to be an interesting watch for them. But for the fans who, who support either Everton, Leicester or Leeds, it's going to be a real tense few days now leading up to the, to the game on Sunday. You know, the nerves will be shot. They'll be having sleepless nights worrying. You know, and, and as I say, you know, there's going to be one set of fans that come about half past six on, on Sunday are going to be happy and two, two sets of fans are going to be distraught. So it is going to be an interesting final day in there, you know, for the final two relegation places. So, so, uh, Pete, what do you reckon for for Saturday, uh, Sunday for Liverpool at Southampton? Do you reckon it'll be that, again, Klopp could make a few changes? Uh, again, because it looks as though, you know, United should get the point they need tonight to, to sort of guarantee fourth place. So it'll mean yeah. that we're, we're going to finish fifth whatever. So, you know, do you think maybe he'll play a few players and, and rest some of his main players and think, you know what I mean? They've got to, they've got to go to play internationals over the next few weeks, some of them. And I think I'm going to give the likes of Joe Gomez, Joel Matip, Simicas, you know, you Nunes, me, to start. You just said all the bloody names. I was going to say. Oh, sorry, I think, No, I, I think that's what he'll do because, like you say, United... United are going to get at least a point tonight, um, so it is a dead rubber. And there's even there's even rumours that um, you know there'll be a couple of others. He might let a couple of kids have a game. I don't know if he'll, he'll change the whole eleven. He might give Keller a, a game in goal. I don't know, but I can see Gomez coming in. I can see Simicas coming in. Um, there's even talk. I sort of saying Arthur Mello might even play. So you know, you just don't know and. and you know, it's not like we're, we're going to give the game up and, and help Southampton stay up there down anyway, so we can't be accused of throwing any games or anything like that. So, yeah, I just think it'll be a game that will get played out, um, a typical end-of-season game. You know, the, obviously Southampton are disappointed, but like you say, the table at the end is going to show the true positions and and they've, they've only got 24 points this season out of 37 games up to now, so, they, you know, they deserve it. And just going back to the relegation talk, I mean, the last few weeks, I think out of the other the three that can go down, I think Everson have been the best of those three. I mean, they went to Brighton and absolutely wiped the floor with them. They went to Leicester and they should have won at Leicester. And I think Everson have probably shown more fight than the other two teams. And then you look above Everson and you've got Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth. They were buried weeks ago. And they've, they've put a good run together. Forest, you know, got some good results, as did Bournemouth. So... Yeah, I just think it will be a dead rubber. I think it will be a game that the players just want to get out and, and get away from. And I can see quite a few changes in the Liverpool lineup, unless Chelsea win tonight and then we at least go into the last game with a chance. But I don't think that's going to happen tonight. Tom? Yeah, I expect loads of changes, Les, to be honest. I think there's, there was rumours that Mello, Mello was going to play, wasn't he? You might as well play. You we play one game at least before he goes. But um, yeah, I expect probably Simicas to come in. Joe Gomez, massive, massive. Just there'd be lots of changes. I think 
might even bring is Ben Doak fit or yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I'd play him some to be honest. Yeah, just give him a run out. He's usually he usually when the teams have got nothing to lose, they usually throw a young a young kid in, don't they? One of the most talented youngsters, you know. So wouldn't surprise me. But as as Pete said, it's it, it's really it's 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 a not game, really, isn't it? it? I don't think it's gonna matter. I think Man United are winning at the moment, so it doesn't really yeah, I think that that game is it's gonna be a dead game, really. So you probably give players a chance. You yeah. a couple of them players less could could be gone during the summer, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. So, so you're spot on, you're spot on, Tom. So it, it's difficult. I won't ask you for predictions because it's difficult to make a prediction when you don't even know what the what the starting lineup's gonna be. But I, I tend to agree with with what you both said. I think there'll be a number of changes. And even Adrian could even play in goal at the weekend because it might be his last game. You just don't know. So, you know, it, it is, unless, you know, Frank Lampard does something that's very unusual and actually wins a football game tonight, then I do think it will be a much-changed Liverpool team with Jürgen sort of thinking, right, let's give the lads who've, who've played the most football, you know, uh, an, early, an early end to the season. And then let's let's all look forward to, you know, starting afresh in July without sort of risking anybody picking up any injuries. Right, so for the final time this season, we're going to uh, go over to P for double agents. And I've, I've got a feeling that our friend Paul Koncheski won't get a mention this week, Pete. No, I'm very disappointed, mate, to be honest. I thought he'd be somewhere in the background. I thought what I'd do for the last double agent is pick a 1 through 11 with a couple of subs rather than go through. There's about 36, 37 players that played for both Southampton and Liverpool. So I'll just pick a 1 through 11 um, of players, not necessarily my favourites or whatever, but a couple of them are. But anyway, in goal, I'll pick Brucey, Bruce Grobler. 600 and odd games for Liverpool and over 250 clean sheets. And he had his moments. We had some laughs with Brucey in goal, but he, he was a brilliant goalkeeper. And I think he only played about 30-odd times for Southampton. I think he, he went there via Stoke City, I think. Um, at right back, I've got Nathaniel Klein, who played over 100 games for Liverpool. Uh, and he played for Southampton prior to coming up, 90-odd games. I've kept Virgil in there as our current centre-half and obviously... We all know about the the transfer, not dilemma, but the, the, the to-ins and fro-ins until we actually got um, Virgil. Next to Virgil, I've put Mark Rice, who lifted the FA Cup for us. Um, he, he came actually uh, via Derby County to us. He, he was at Southampton and then Derby. And then uh, just to give it a bit of balance, I could have picked Barry Venison as a full-back, but I've actually picked a left-footed full-back in Gregory Vignal. I didn't even know he'd gone to Southampton. Um, but he'll, he'll be he'll be remembered. I think Gregory will be remembered for winning that free kick for the Gary Mackle when he was marauding forward at Coverston and he, he got absolutely taken out from behind and, and we, from the free kick we scored. And then I'll, I'll put three in midfield. I'll put Jimmy Case. He was a, a cracking player for Liverpool, local lad. And another local lad, Sammy Lee, uh, who played nearly 300 games for um, 
Liverpool, but he was, he actually went on loan to Southampton when he was in Arasasuna in Spain. And then to make up the, the three in midfield, I put in Adam Lallana, who was a lovely yeah. footballer and unfortunately had his injury problems. But he, he played quite a few games for us, but he, he was a lovely footballer, Adam Lallana. And then up front, I've had to put Kevin Keegan in. What a player he was for Liverpool. And he was a, a great player throughout his career. He was probably Grace Scunthorpe as well before we got him. Um, Paddy O'Mahony. Yeah. And to, to make up the front three, I put our favourite robotic Peter Crouch. And he, the, the very nomadic, he's, I mean, how many teams Peter Crouch? He's probably played for more teams than Koncieski has, to be honest. But I put Marnie, Keegan and Crouch up front. And then on the subs bench, I put a goalie and he played twice for us. And we got him on loan because Dudek and Kirkland were injured. And we got Paul Jones in and he played a couple of games for us in goal. And then I put one of the four who's leaving us, sadly, at the end of the season, Alex Hockley, Chamberlain. And I just think, I think we've said a few times before on this programme that, um, you know, but for that injury that he, he got against Rome, he, he probably could still want to have been, a, you know, been one of our top players now. But sadly, he's, he's going to go. I, mean, I wish him well in his future. I hope he stays in, you know, a good level of football, top level, maybe in the Premier League. But um, so yeah, so that's that's my one to eleven with two subs anyway. Yeah, you could have added you could have added to the sub bench there with with Jamie Redknapp and Dayan Lovren and Is also it? Ricky Ricky Lambert. And Danny things. Ings. There's a few, yeah. as, as I say, I didn't yeah. want to go Danny Ings. A few older it's... ones as well. Um, but yeah, it's you know, maybe I might, I might do this next season. I might just do a one to a one to eleven, and then we'll throw a few extras on the bench and do it that way. Yeah. And I'm sure anyway, he will come back to haunt us. Yeah, it wasn't a bad team. You know that that's a, you know some players in there. It's a really it's a really good side. To be fair, you yeah. know what I mean. Lots of you know, not just great players in there, world-class players who've won many, many trophies. You know what I mean? So, well done with that, Pete. That's your last double agent of the season. So, thanks for that. I know a, a couple of the lads in work really enjoy listening to the double agents part of the show. So, so well done with that, Pete. So, okay. yeah. So, so Can I just say something, lads, before I go? Quickly. Do you know what? I just a, a little memory, you know, what's it called, of... At the end of of our, the the front three, probably the greatest front three that we've ever uh, we, you know, we've ever had. Probably, we, we just mentioned Sadio before, and Bobby is about to go. You know, so all that's left is Mo. I think you know when we look back in 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 times, I think we can remember how good them front three really were. Been yeah. fantastic servants. Be really sad to see the lads go, but. Hey, oh, we move on for the new season, and that I think brings the the net down on it. Yeah, well, wish them well, all all well. Yeah, you're not wrong there, Tom. They were fantastic. They were the best front three in Europe for a good number of years. They all complemented each other really, really well, and they all brought different qualities and different skills to make them the special trio that they were. So, yeah, great memories, and, and I'm sure all Liverpool supporters will. Will cherish the memories and be thankful that they all, you know, that we saw them play, you know, so many fantastic games in the red shirts. So once again, everybody, that's the that's the end of this latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. 
We'll be back next week with a special show with one of the greatest players to ever play for Liverpool, Graham Sooners. So listen out and watch out for that. We'll be publicising it on all the social media outlets very, very soon. So once again, everybody, don't buy the sun. Justice for the 97 and you'll never walk alone.